Uh, you know what that means, folks. It's time for another Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. As always, my name is Stephen Craig. I am your host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this week. Um, by the way, before I get into anything else, uh, next week I believe we have scheduled our first uh, guest appearance, so please uh, be sure to tune in for that. Um, really excited uh, to bring on a special guest next week and, and hopefully do a lot more of that going forward. Um, really just the opportunity to get some people who are a lot smarter than I am <laughs> to uh, voice their opinion on the subjects that we talk about each week in, uh, in Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Uh, get uh, get another informed opinion uh, and bring that to all of you. So uh, whether uh, if you do listen to the podcast regularly, uh, as compared to reading, um, you sort of get that extra that extra info, that extra um, bit of um, knowledge, uh, and it will only be um, only be highlighted by having uh, some guest appearances coming up in the next few weeks. So please uh, pay tune, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, this week's uh, this week's column is uh, is on what some have been calling the labor shortage across the United States, and um, I, to be perfectly honest, I, I've grown tired of hearing it called a labor shortage because it's not. Um, if you take a look, <clears throat> there are plenty of um, there are plenty of folks out there uh, who still don't have jobs, and while unemployment numbers have definitely come down since the height of the pandemic, that that's just to be expected. People have uh, taking jobs, there are still plenty of people. The unemployment rate of 5.8 percent, which it currently sits at, uh, is still higher than it was pre-pandemic, um, and there are still folks out there who are on unemployment um, who have yet to take jobs, and yet there are clearly jobs out there, and um, and that has led a lot of folks uh, to complain about that. Now, if you've gone anywhere over the past couple of weeks or paid attention to any um, any news source whatsoever, you've seen uh, plenty of help wanted ads, plenty of jobs being posted, um, and you've heard plenty about the fact that there are employers out there who just can't get jobs filled. And this is particularly the case in the service industry. Uh, a lot of restaurants, um, hotels even, uh, the airlines have, have even struggled with this uh, being able to get enough employees to be able to run their business efficiently. And that part of it um, has been particularly, I think, is particularly felt where I live here in uh, Summit County, Colorado. Uh, I live up in the um, in a resort town up in the mountains uh, near uh, some resorts you might know, Keystone, Breckenridge. And because of that, um, it's particularly the case here. And... The reason why it's particularly um, pronounced in a community like this one is exactly the whole point of uh, what's happening on a more national scale. It's just more exacerbated here. And what I mean by that is um, that while there are plenty of jobs out there and there are clearly people who are unemployed um, and, t and still accepting unemployment benefits, um, that that doesn't mean that the jobs that are being offered uh, pay well enough to be able to to be able to live in the community uh, in which someone lives. Uh, as I said, it's particularly exacerbated here because Summit County is uh, is really expensive on real estate. Uh, 
real estate in the past year since the pandemic has uh, has hit, uh, his surge has gone through the roof. Uh, and a big part of the reason for that, and I wrote about this earlier, was about how people can move anywhere they want. Uh, and if you can, uh, with so many people moving towards remote jobs, uh, a lot of those remote jobs uh, that started off uh, people working virtually at the beginning of the pandemic, are they're not they're not going back to the office. These folks, um, those virtual workplaces, um, a lot of them are staying intact. And so you suddenly have a lot of people who once were rooted to a particular geographic location, now are free to move, <laughs> Southwest says, free to move about the country, except not just for travel, but permanently. They can take up residence anywhere. And so that has led to Summit County in particular. A lot of people would have always wanted to live here. Now that they find themselves working remotely, um, they are moving here. However, those people who are moving here and working virtual jobs are, by and large, um, getting paid a lot more than the median income in the United States. The people who are moving here can afford to do so because their job pays them enough to do so. What about the folks who work as in the service industry, working at restaurants, working at bars, working at hotels? Um, I bring up in this week's column uh, folks who are... Um, you know, shuttle drivers, etc. These folks, people who work at Target or something like that, people who are making what is barely above minimum wage um, within our state, uh, which at least is higher than the federal minimum wage, which is just over uh, $7 an hour. So when you, even if, even if we had passed the federal minimum wage, which is preposterously low at $15 an hour, if you work that out, the average American works a bit less than 2,000 hours a year. If you just take a, right, if you take the, a 40-hour work week, multiply it by 50 weeks a year, that's 2,000 hours. Well, you take that 2,000 hours, multiply it by $15 an hour, that's $30,000 a year. So if we were to have increased the minimum wage, which we didn't, we couldn't get our federal government to even agree on a $15 minimum wage because Republicans opposed it saying, oh, you know, can't, can't pay people $15 an hour. So if you take that $15 an hour, that's 30 grand a year. How are you supposed to live on that anywhere in the country, never mind in Summit County, Colorado, where the median price for a house is over a million dollars, over a million dollars, where... People are living in housing where the rent for uh, you know for sharing six people to a room is sixteen hundred dollars a month. How are people supposed to be able to make fifteen dollars an hour or less and still be able to make and still be able to pay their rent, be able to have money for food, etc.? The reality is is that they can't. And so this idea of a labor shortage is a complete farce. The reality is, is that, and, and conservatives would tell you, oh, this is exactly why we shouldn't be increasing unemployment, that this is just, there are a whole bunch of takers out there who aren't, ta who aren't going into these jobs, who aren't filling these jobs because they'd rather just live off of unemployment. No, you giant fuckface. It's not about the fact that people, that unemployment benefits are too high. It's that wages are too low. When you take a look at what actual what people actually make on unemployment, 
it is ridiculously low. And I go into the numbers um, at one point during the column, um, but it basically works out to uh, it works out to a ridiculously low amount. I think if I'm looking through the column here, um, it works out to like about fifteen thousand dollars a year. So um, sixteen thousand to be perfectly honest. So if you take a look at the average unemployment check, it's about three hundred twenty dollars a week or sixteen thousand dollars a year. If people are choosing $16,000 a year on unemployment benefits as compared to going back to a job, which would you would could only hope would pay them significantly more, but it doesn't. And that's the problem, is if people are making the choice to stay on unemployment rather than taking the jobs that are available, these, these large number of jobs, again, we have plenty of workers. 5.8% of the workforce right now is claiming unemployment. And we've all seen the number of jobs out there. So there are both a number of jobs and a number of people that out there and potential employees out there to take them. So why aren't those two things meshing and lowering the unemployment numbers? Well, the reality is, is that jobs pay, so many of the jobs that are available are paying so low that it is beneficial for somebody to stay on unemployment as compared to taking them. That's bullshit. That's the impact that we're starting to see from not having passed a $15 minimum wage. And in the end, we a lot of conservatives want to push this idea of letting the free market decide. Well, isn't that the free market deciding? Isn't that people making a decision that your job pays so shitty, that your job pays me so little, it's beneficial for me to sit there and continue to remain on unemployment. And so, the and of course, a big part of that has been that these that the unemployment benefits have been extended um, long enough to allow these people to continue to stay on unemployment. And what they're doing is looking for a better job that will pay them decently. And so the extension of the unemployment benefits because of the pandemic has had uh, an a beneficial ancillary effect in that it has allowed for a more competitive marketplace for employees. In a world where people are making so little, right? When you're talking about the people that are impacted by this, right? The people who are making, who, who would love to have seen just a $15 an hour minimum wage, right? Or $30,000 a year. When you're talking about those folks, we needed to have some sort of, um, some sort of push from the federal government to be able to impact the way that the supply and demand, um, the supply and demand factors inevitably manifest themselves in our economy. We had to give workers some sort of push and some sort of traction um, to be able to take on these massive um, entities, these employers who are sitting there and offering them not even a, a living wage. And so to some degree or another, the pandemic economy has had the beneficial result of forcing employers to pay their employees a living wage. And at the end of the column, I, I come back to this because, you know, some folks will say, well, then, you know, prices are going to go up. Okay, yeah. If you're sitting there able to go out to restaurants and buy these goods that, and go to places and shop and everything else, 
you have enough money to pay, right, to to pay a bit extra, the extra supplemental uh, cost uh, that the employers will have to pick up, right, and then pass on to consumers, i.e. you, right? You have enough money to supplement the people at the bottom of our wage scale, the people who don't even make $15 an hour, so that those folks can be given a living wage. And hey, if employers can't afford to pay their employees a living wage, well, you know what? That too is a part of free market capitalism. Businesses that can survive in the economic environment in which we, ex in which we live continue to grow and thrive. And those that don't, don't. They cease to exist. That has always been a part of the free market capitalism idea. That businesses that can be able to provide a profit motive while dealing with the economic realities around them, those businesses survive. And those that cannot, that don't provide a service what, that, uh, that somehow or another is beneficial enough to the community, that they are able to uh, create a demand that's great enough to raise their prices to a, a point where they can afford all of their business expenses and still turn a profit, those businesses fail. And that, my friends, is where we start off with this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less called It's a Wage Shortage, Not a Labor Shortage. Oftentimes, life feels like one giant swift kick to the nuts. And then, right at the moment you pick yourself back up and shake off the agonizing pain with a series of slow, deliberate breaths and straighten yourself to full height, life comes along and plants another one right in the nads. By the way, I apologize to all the ladies out there for whom that metaphor does not resonate, but I think you get what I mean. After more than a year of having their doors shuttered by a global pandemic and hanging on by a tenuous thread of financial viability, many restaurants were chomping at the bit to finally reopen once dining regulations were rolled back. They were once again able to operate at full capacity. Ah, but fate is a cruel, cruel mistress, and God has one hell of a sense of humor. Despite eager crowds anxious to go out and eat and drink in public again, bars and restaurants have been thwarted from cashing in on that pent-up demand by a source few people could have foreseen, worker shortages. When national unemployment statistics hit their peak of 14.8% in April of 2020, with claimants numbering more than 25 million, few could have predicted the worker shortages that have predominated many parts of the United States since many retail and service-centered businesses began reopening this past spring. Walk through your local urban corridor and you will see many restaurants and bars advertising for workers, and many of these service-oriented establishments or retail sector businesses have been operating on reduced hours for months now. These places want to be open, but they simply cannot find enough employees to fully staff their operations, and consumers eager to get out and spend once again, are beginning to see the impact. So just how is it that we have come to be so nationally understaffed? Even though the national unemployment rate has fallen dramatically since the height of the pandemic, clocking it at 5.8% for the month of May, that rate is still 2.5% higher than the 3.3% unemployment rate for February 2020, right before the pandemic began. Moreover, May 2021's 5.8% rate is still higher than any non-pandemic month since 2014. And yet, 
Despite these lower unemployment numbers in the years from 2014 to 2020, suggesting there would have been fewer employees uh, available for hire, we weren't experiencing anything like the worker shortages we are currently seeing. In other words, the workers are out there, they just aren't taking the jobs. A significant factor in all this, of course, has been the extension and supplementation of employment benefits on both the state and federal level. As part of the immense COVID bailout package, Biden and the Democrats sent every American a check for $1,400 and lengthened unemployment benefits eligibility for people who lost their jobs during the pandemic. By the way, a number of Republican legislators have uh, suggested that they have taken credit as being a part of that, as part of that uh, bailout recovery. I just want to remind everyone that not a single, not one Republican voted in favor of that plan. Not one. The Democrats and Biden passed that relief package solely without without any Republican bipartisan support. So remember that in 2022 when they come telling you that they did. In any case, this included many folks in the service industry who were hit hardest by the ravaging impacts of the pandemic, especially those who worked in bars and restaurants. For months, many of these folks survived and fed their families only due to these expanded benefits. But now those jobs are coming back and many of them aren't so eager to go rushing back to work. So why? Now, many of you on the conservative side of the aisle will point to these circumstances and suggest that these people are entitlement takers, that this is just further evidence of how government unemployment programs only encourage reliance on the government rather than the self-sufficiency of a job. But I am going to contend that it is demonstrative instead of an entirely different factor altogether. If these folks are eschewing gainful employment in favor of remaining on unemployment, this is not indicative that unemployment benefits have been far, made far too lucrative, as Tucker Carlson would have you believe, but rather that the pay at the jobs they are being offered is just that shitty. Before you go waving the flag of government entitlements as the problem, do you know how much the average unemployment check is? Yeah, about $320 a week, or about $16,000 a year. And by the way, if you think that number is ridiculously low, you should check out some of the states in conservative. Check out the um, check out the numbers in some conservative states like Oklahoma and uh, and Alabama, where uh, the unemployment check is literally under a hundred dollars a week. Yeah, how about you go try to live on that? If you make a concerted calculation and arrive at the conclusion that you are better off not taking a job and instead living on the paltry allowances of unemployment, that is one crappy paying job. But that is the place we find ourselves in for failure to pass a reasonable increase in the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Because employees in some states are allowed to make as little as $7.25 an hour, or less than $15,000 a year for a 40-hour work week sitting on your ass and getting handed a check from the government that is actually slightly more, slightly more than that suddenly seems like a damn good idea. You can't blame the workers who aren't taking these jobs. We have to place the blame squarely on the employers who are offering them too little. In a recent newspaper article here in Summit County, I read the comments of Vail Resorts bellyaching that they couldn't find enough bus drivers at $13.50 an hour and were thus forced 
to shut down a number of shuttle op options for guests at their resorts. Have you seen the cost of living in the mountain these, mountains these days? College kids are paying $1,600 a month in rent to live six to a room. So how in hell do you expect a bus driver to support a family of two? The math just doesn't add up. And workers are finally in a position of strength to demand a living wage. The expanded unemployment benefits of the pandemic relief package have not only helped many Americans stay afloat during the shutdowns, and this is the key point, they have also helped to shift the supply and demand dynamics of hiring economics and buttressed workers' bargaining power, essentially getting from many employers what should have been granted them by a more respectable federal minimum wage. If you walk down to my local Target or Starbucks right now, they both have signs advertising that they are hiring at a starting wage of 16 bucks an hour. And they both have decent benefits too. As a response, fare resorts begrudgingly upped their driver pay to a whopping $13.75. By the way, if you haven't done the math, that's they upped the rate a quarter, <laughs> 25 cents. But that just isn't going to get it done now, is it? Who is going to drive a bus of overly entitled tourists instead of making about $100 more per week pouring lattes and frappuccinos? That's just basic good old American free market supply side economics, baby. But for once, it's working for the benefit of the American worker. Yes, this may mean increased costs for consumers, but if you have enough money to be spending on bars, restaurants, or other service industry providers... You can afford to spend a little more to allow the people who work there to have a living wage. We are, after all, talking about the people at the bottom rungs of the earnings ladder versus those with the discretionary income to spend in the service sector. Businesses that can offer a reasonable wage to their employees and still weather the current economic environment will survive. And those that can't, well, they won't. Isn't that the very heart of free market capitalism? American workers have been kicked in the nuts long enough. In any case, I, I find this whole, um, I find the whole discussion of this topic to be uh, really informative about the power of um, supply and demand economics in the United States. And, um, you know, I, it, for so, in so many cases, part of the reason why wages are so low um, is that supply demand um, dynamics of hiring have really lent themselves towards in the benefit of employers, right? That's why we needed to have a federal minimum wage in the first place, right? Is so that it guaranteed workers at least a base pay, at least a certain basic amount of money to be able to live on and not have to be, right, getting welfare from the government. Um, and yet, uh, we didn't pass that. And so because of that, you know, workers, people who were desperate and couldn't get unemployed, right, who ran out of unemployment benefits, right, they were forced to take jobs that paid, right, that paid so little. There were very few jobs and tons of people that needed them. And so that supply and demand allowed employers to offer really low wages and benefits. But the pandemic has shifted that dynamic and told people, basically allowed people to go, you know what, I'm going to sit on and sit here on unemployment and collect about the same amount of money until such time as somebody comes along um, and can offer me a decent wage. And so it has put 
some of the bargaining power for that supply side, supply and demand um, economics of hiring back into the hands of the worker who desperately needed it, right? If you take a look, and I wrote about this a few years ago, about how many people, for example, at Walmart collect some sort of welfare assistance because Walmart pays them so little. In the end, you might complain about the prices going up a bit at Walmart, but the reality is, is that you are already paying extra money for Walmart through your taxes. Why? Because so many people who work at Walmart have to get some sort of financial assistance from the government. So your tax money goes to financially support people who work, have full-time jobs at Walmart because Walmart pays them so little. And Walmart is just a big name example of what happens throughout the workforce at, on so many different levels. People, so many employers pay their employees below what's even considered a living wage. So if they fall below the poverty line, even though they have a full-time job, and so your tax money is going to be is to going to supplement the wages of these people who make so little. So why not put it back into the uh, into the uh, onto the backs of the actual employers themselves? They should be paying the living wage, not us, the taxpayers. The employers themselves, if they want to have that employee, they should be paying paying that employee at least the living wage, such that we as the taxpayers don't have to supplement that pay. In any case, that's this week's truth in a thousand words or less. I, as I said, I find this topic fascinating. I hope that I hear back from a lot of you, positive, negative. Uh, last week's column on uh, Shikari Richardson, certainly um, I got tons and tons of feedback on that. would love to get the same. Um, let us know what you think. Please send uh, your comments. You can always put them on uh, you can always put them on the website at www.waitingfortoday.com. Uh, you can share them with me on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else uh, or simply right back here on the podcast. Uh, next week, we'll be back with an article about, uh, about how everybody's a tourist somewhere. Uh, and I believe that we'll have, our first, uh, we'll have our first guest here in studio. So until then, uh, thanks for joining us and peace out, y'all.